0: So what day to skipply and welcome again to another episode of Latin in layman's today is April 2nd already into April so I hope everybody's doing super well and that you know 2023 is uh doing the the deed I don't know what I'm trying to say there but today's going to be a Q&A so I actually was able to compile some some questions I got from my audience that are not really related to anything etymology. It's just more so about life. And, um, yeah, they just are cool questions and I want to entertain them. And I think that, well, according to my analytics, I've seen a lot of views with my Q and A. So maybe just, you know, showing you guys a little bit more me and just not the etymology, not just the Latin, but also, you know, just I have some things that I have to share um, that uh, that I've learned throughout my life, through the experiences that I've had, through the the trials, the tribulations. And, you know, that's why I always love to seek out knowledge and advice and stories from older people is because they've been through this, this whole life thing more than once. So <clears throat> if you're curious, if you want to stay in, stay tuned. Um, we got 10 questions here um really awesome stuff i have not prepped at all for this so it's just going to be ramble bamble but hopefully a good ramble bamble if you know what i mean so so yeah you know what before we get on into it i want to urge you guys to hop on over to spotify apple podcast wherever you're listening to this right now and if you haven't laid down you know a one through five star please do do so even if it's a one star uh and it's honest right you know like just be honest with your rating. If you think that I you know, could do better in one avenue or, or another, please reach out to me, liamconnerly at gmail.com, latinandlaymans at gmail.com. Uh, I also have a TikTok at Mr. Liam Connerly, and my Instagram is just Liam Connerly I believe. So <clears throat> um, I think I'm going to start working on, because every single time I post one of these episodes it urges me to start or prompts me to do a wordpress so i'm curious i think i'm going to start creating a blog to basically show you guys all the show notes kind of fleshed out and in its entirety for each and every episode as well as maybe give you guys an opportunity to um you know use the information that i have because uh, i have students reaching out to me that watch my TikToks and they tell me how they they take notes of my TikToks, and it helps them with, uh, especially like my, my periodic table stuff and products and reactants and all the Latin, and the, the, the periodic, um, table and whatnot. So, um, you know, I'm just giving you guys some options if you're curious and, uh, and if not, then that's okay. And you don't have to listen to me. And I don't take any offense to that and you can get on with your day. So without further ado, uh, and don't mind. I'm gonna probably throw in my sponsorship just about now. So if you want to just go ahead and fast forward through it, you are more than welcome to. I do not care. I do the 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 sponsorship just because it's helping me, you know, recoup a little bit. I mean, like I nev- I've never made any money off this thing, and I'm now making like a teeny tiny little bit. It's not really, you know, but it's also something where. Maybe the sponsorship will urge you guys. In fact, I started doing this podcast because I was in the gym. I remember it was a really, really tough time in my life. I was very alone. Um, it was during COVID and quarantine. I was in Portland, Oregon at the time. And I remember hearing a podcast. I didn't even listen to the podcast in its full or entirety. But um, uh, what did they, they – they plugged uh, – It was kind of like a B-rated podcast like mine, like not very many people knew about it or anything like that, but I was listening and their sponsorship went to Anchor and then I looked up Anchor and then from there, it kind of got the ball rolling and I looked further into Anchor and I realized how it really was super easy and that like I could do it. I first started from my phone, like I said, and then I transitioned it to uh, the computer now that I uh, record from. So uh, yeah, you know what? <laughs> I just basically gave another commercial for that, but give it a shot. You know, maybe I'm. I've been doing this for two and a half years, and I mean, I have what I think I, I have like twenty some ratings on Spotify, and I have eighteen on Apple Podcast. So just put in the reps. And realize that whatever you're doing you're actually doing and you're 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 cultivating your mind and your soul and your productivity and you're doing things that people aren't willing to do and that's something that we're in a day and age where we just have to kind of look around and be like wow you know what people are really like it's you know with chat gpt and everything like i've talked about stay tuned it's going to be a weird world that we're going to be thrown into and it's going to be throwing us into it fairly quickly i think this technology is, um, is interesting. So there we go with that. And here we go with this. All right. So our first question that we have here is brought to you guys by Steazy. It's just Steezy, but the A's are capitalized. Um, and they ask what has been your most meaningful experience of your life so far? Um, man, That's a really good question because I feel like I have a lot of meaningful experiences that were both beautiful and were both hard. And, you know, what comes to mind to me is Ireland. But even more recently than that would probably be a hard moment in my life where um, it molded me, it changed me, it threw me through the ringer. And I'll stop being vague with it about, let's see, well, At the time when covid and quarantine just started to happen um i was living with an ex-girlfriend of mine at the time back in santa fe and we ended up moving up to portland Um, and we had been together for quite a while on and off and it was a relationship that um we were comfortable in we had developed our identities with one another and uh we can continue to do so i mean like we moved up to portland together um i was unemployed at the time she was working remotely um and i was just doing part-time gigs and working remotely and teaching and tutoring and stuff like that and i was i was grinding so much i remember i was doing uh that instacart um all the time whenever i could to get a little like extra cat extra cash because quarantine in P- portland at that time was just such a Man, I mean, it's the Wild West right now. It was the Wild West back then. It was just really difficult. And people were so cold. Like, I don't know what it is about Portland, y'all, but it's changed dramatically. Like, I remember a shout-out to my one of my best friends in college, Matthew Byrne. We would pop down to Portland from Tacoma, and we would take the Amtrak, and we would just get off the Amtrak, and then we'd run amok. In fact, this very time about, like, I don't know, six or seven years ago he and I did a um a spring break trip down to Portland and uh and I remember just it was so much more different because now um everybody yeah everybody was cold everybody was masked up nobody wanted to interact and you know being in a new place and a new environment is already difficult as is and at the time my girlfriend and I were we were going through you know it just it it wasn't going well and i think that we thought that moving would and this is what we do we do a lot of dumb dumb things in order to feel like we can hold on to that relationship we can mend that relationship and um it really wasn't the case i remember we got to portland our relationship became more toxic and you re- you know when things become more toxic it's when Really small, minute things within the relationship become argumentative points. Uh, they're they're almost like gotcha moments. They're almost like you know uh, uh, you know I'm better than you or I'm more right than you. Or it was always about proving a point. We were no longer on each other's teams, and that's what it's all about. That's what I want my my partner in crime to be, my teammate, my partner in crime for sure, and just that person that's going to give me the benefit of the doubt. And that I'm also going to give the benefit of the doubt because at the end of the day, the 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 demise of our relationship was, um, it was, hey, it takes two to tango and she's got her story. I've got my story. And I know that I very well contributed to the falling apart of it all. Now, I know that th- certain things that she made light of in the relationship were complete lies. And I realized that I had a lot of my realities kind of kind of turned upside down and I really started to question who I was when I shouldn't have, but it was one of these things where it got to the point. It was so, so, so hard and we were trying to hold on to it for so long because we had built an identity. We'd been together for like, for like three years. we had lived together for, you know, just about a year at that point in two different states. Um, when things like that happen, you feel like you got to be with that person. Um, because the, the longer you are with one person, the harder it is to think about starting again with another person. I know that that sounds kind of, uh, like I'm minimizing it, but it, it really is like sometimes we kind of just, we become content or we become comfortable or we just accept what it is when we really shouldn't. And, um, you know what? I'll always love her. I, mean, I will always love her deeply. She taught me so much. I've never fallen in love so electrically in my life. It was just so visceral from the f- first moment I met her. Um, but like we both agreed, after long and hard conversations and lots of crying, um, it just wasn't the right love. And doesn't mean that we weren't in love with one another because I knew that I loved her and I knew that she loved me very much and we cared for one another. But there were a lot of other things in the back background that were running amok. And we were addicted to the chaos of one another. We were addicted to the high highs and the low lows and the comfort of having another person. And, and finally, after all of these things coming to head, um, she left, and she moved back to Utah, and that left me in Portland in the middle of quarantine. She left in, so we had moved into Portland at the beginning of August of 2020. She left at the very end of October of 2020, and I mean that that, that entire time between August and October was just like a this this slow demise of us trying to hold on to something that we knew was so vapid. um, and then we would try and seek out other means in order for it, uh, like other ways to like fix our relationship, uh, outside sources where it really was, we just had to look inward. Um, but she left and, That left me in a place where I was really alone and really, um, my identity was gone. I didn't know who I was. A part of me had basically ripped itself out of my life because I remember that morning she left, it was like really early in the morning and I'll still remember the text message she sent me when she got home that night back in Utah and she said, and this is the last thing that she ever texted me, um, she said, I'm home safe now. We can rest. And I hope that Well, you know what? I don't know. But that was a very, very interesting moment for me because I actually hadn't remembered that text message until now. It's funny how either through therapy or through talking through things, either with myself or with other people, I start to remember things that I'd forgotten about. But yeah, that was the last thing that she said, you know. And that's it. And some things are meant to be left like that because reopening something like that would just be... She's at a different place in her life. I'm in a different place in my life. But throughout that process, after she left, I had to work myself up from the ground up. It was quarantine. It was Portland weather. I had to move into a shoebox of an apartment from where I was because I couldn't afford to be in the place that I was currently in. Um, Luckily, I only had to move down the hall. But um, the, the apartment that I moved into, oh my gosh, it was like 300 square feet it was teeny tiny. And there I, I just continued to work and grind and, um, and I started to try and cope both with healthy coping mechanisms and unhealthy coping mechanisms. I, um, I was, I picked up things like planting and gardening and cooking a lot more, but I also was still a really angry and sad, individual and very alone like nobody really wanted to hang out nobody and i don't know if this is just the case now but people are really quick to say yeah i'll hang out and then they never follow through with it and 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 it's so obnoxious because i put out the feelers and then i'm like you know what if you really want to reach back out to me but it's like i'm trying and I remember this being all too often. It was like making friends. It was like a chore. And I still actually feel like that nowadays, um, especially as a 20-something, and especially after quarantine and COVID. I, just, I have not been able to find the people that I would consider my close homie Gs like I would back in college. And I know probably a lot of people resonate with that, but it's different now. It's different. I don't know how to explain it. Just be, if you know, you know so i'm here i'm I'm alone um, and that's when things really start to you can either wallow in it or you you move forward in any way you can, and that's what I was trying to do, and it was so hard because I was still going through this grieving process because grief is such a fluctuating thing. it comes in waves, it comes in sadness, it comes in happiness, maybe or um, you know dissonant happiness comes in anger it comes in uh, viscerally, viscerally crying at dream ivory um, whenever it comes on um, and filming the snap uh, filming snapchat of you crying and sending it to your sister and saying how much this song reminds them of you and or you of them and saying how much you miss them and love them and I was there were so many things that I was doing, and I know that this is all so random, but I was really depressed. And in this experience in my life, and I'll be completely honest with everybody out there, because this is just me and this is my cards that um, I'm going to play out. Um, during this time, I remember it was really difficult. I I had a an, a, an option. That I had set aside um, to kill myself, and um, and I really I don't say that lightly, and I I really mean that is like you know what, don't worry about it, it's okay. Don't be like oh poor Liam, you know that's just it, it was it's a part of my history, and I remember that because I was really lost and I was really alone. The the closest people that I had physically were all the way back in Santa Fe. And um the only person that really supported me throughout that was my brother. Oddly enough, having conversations with him over the phone, um he's the one that really got me through it and I think he I got got it th- or got him through quarantine as well cuz we were both really dealing with it. And and um, I don't know if it's the the mind of a Connolly or or just whatever, but you know, as as smart as we are, as people say, um, we do we we do suffer sometimes in our mind. And this experience from October all the way until I left. In fact, the reason why I left was because I got a job offer to come out to Colorado Springs, and that's why I'm out here now. The only reason why I left Portland was because I got that job offer and I'm very grateful for it. But between that time, between when when I was there in October of 2020 and when I left in June of 2021, um, it was probably the loneliest time of my life. No, yeah, uh, close to it. But that loneliness had me really look deep into me, deep into who I was, who I am who I wanted to be, who I didn't feel like I was fulfilling or AKA myself, how to fulfill myself, how to move forward, how to be proud of myself, how to regain the confidence that I had had before. It was so, I like, my self-esteem had gone from zero and it was all this gradual process. And that's when I realized that confidence, and this is how I imbued it in my students is confidence is built through small, small things that you look back on and then you reflect and that you realize that you were able to do it when you yourself told yourself that you couldn't do it. And then you look back and you're like, why was I telling myself I couldn't do it when all of the time I could? We are our own limiting factor and that's what i realized through this experience is that i started to understand that i was limiting myself and that i was my i was the common denominator here and that the only way that i was going to get better is if i may if i wanted it if i wanted to emerge from this depression if i wanted to emerge from all this anguish and my life being turned upside down and losing the person that i had built my identity around. I did everything with her. We did everything together. And it was hard. Like I in fact, I was still doing it. I was still doing it last year. I feel like I'm still doing it. You know, I'm still finding myself. And that it's a continual effort. Um but Finding my independent self as, apart from that collective that she and I had. I'm not going to mention her name, but that's why I'm just saying she. Um, it really, I don't know. Kind of lost my train of thought there, but that was the most meaningful experience of my life because it was so hard. I was really sad. And I was really alone. And I cried a lot. And if you cry, it's okay. I always thought it was really bad for me to cry, thought it was really unmanly, really, really effeminate. But really, it's the embracing of who you are and also acknowledging that and sitting in it and understanding it and asking yourself why, and then understanding that why, and then journaling about it, and then listening to music and going on walks and reflecting on those things And reflecting on the things that you knew that you thought you couldn't do but then you figured out that you could do. It's about making yourself proud. And it's about making yourself feel like you are capable. And you all are. I know that I am. Sometimes I forget it and I need to be reminded. But you all are. And that's all all I'll say about it. really hard experience of my life physically ireland was a really hard experience but not emotionally not like that physically i got burnt out to the nth degree because i remember looking back um in my journal i ended up tallying over like 1300 kilometers which i'm not gonna do the mileage right now but you guys can do that i I believe it's 1.6 kilometers to a mile so you do the math but uh there's my long-winded uh, answer to that question. Thank you, Steezy. I appreciate that. That was almost a 20-minute one. So, um, next one. From Latin in lay dude man, bro. Love that name. How do you define success? Um, well, success is, well, I don't want to say it's subjective and or it's relative, but it kind of is. Success is kind of in the eye of the beholder in a way. But it's also about what you value. My my definition of success is that I'm moving forward. Um, I don't think success is ever achieved. It's always strived for. But, I mean, think about it, you know, like you have gold gold medalist syndrome excuse me for my little tongue tie there gold medalist syndrome uh and if you never heard of this this is something i was um i was actually reading about um what's his name uh he wrote the subtle art of not giving an f um that self help book i was reading about him a lot cuz um you know he actually went through gold gold medalist syndrome and what it is is you know, say you're an an Olympic athlete and you've been training for this event for, you know, years and years and years and you've been putting all of your energy and your time and that's your goal. And then finally you do that, you end up doing the event and maybe you, and you place gold and there you go. And you have reached the, the summit of, uh, what you've been working towards. And then, and then what after what next? A lot of Olympic athletes actually um, go into into a deep depression and or there are a lot of instances of suicide um, because they do that, they win their gold medal and then their purpose is gone. the, The purpose that they had had that had been driving them for so long is gone. Same thing with the art of man or the art of not giving an F. I don't know why the art of man. Um, because he had been pumping out books for a long time, and you know n- n- they weren't really hitting. And then finally, the subtle art um, became a New York Times bestseller overnight, and he became an, an instantaneous success. And all he ended up doing after that was playing his switch game and being fat and sassy and sitting on his couch and realizing that what else can I do now? And he slipped into a deep depression. So. Maybe he achieved success to that point, but then after that, it was what next? So I don't think success is an actual point that you achieve. It's something that you're always striving for. Um, because you do reach goals. And then after those goals, what do you do? You gotta you gotta you gotta aim towards others and others that keep you going and moving forward. Um I I would say success for me is having healthy relationships with the people around you, having a healthy relationship with yourself because you're going to spend the most time with yourself. So you better be your best friend for yourself because uh, you're stuck with yourself throughout this entire life. Um, success with, um, yeah, career. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is for me yet. I know it isn't right now, but I'm striving. Success is a, although it is a noun, I think it should be a verb. As in succeed. C. Stravel asks, what do you believe is the key to a fulfilling life? Hmm. Um, sleep, eat well, have deep, meaningful relationships with the people around you. Be honest, be open, be vulnerable, um, and do what you love. And if there are things in your life that you keep on telling yourself that you're going to do when you get to this certain point in your life. Consider doing it now or doing it as soon as possible, because the, the, the more you put it off and off and off and off, you're going to get to a point where you're looking further and further back and realizing where did the time go. From Rich, this is our fourth question. What has been the most difficult lesson you've learned in life? Um, the most difficult lesson is that and I hope that this will hit a lot of people is that we don't change as human beings until it's too painful us to continue on the route that we've been continuing on. Now, I wish as humans we could be more proactive. I wish I could be more proactive sometimes with this kind of stuff. I've been more cognizant about it. I don't know about being proactive. Try my best. But sometimes the only times we need to change, but we're too scared to change, or we're too em- scared to embrace that change because we know it's gonna be really hard. Is, yeah, is not changing and then being forced to change because something really, really awful happens. How many times has that happened to you? You know, for instance, think about it like, you've been smoking cigarettes all your life. You could have stopped, but now you finally got the diagnosis of uh, stage 3 lung cancer at the age of 55 and maybe it's too late. I don't know. Bad uh, analogy or example, but the most difficult lesson, and for me, this is in regards to honesty um, because I used to be deceitful. and. It's not who I am, but it's a history of mine that I don't want to be a part of anymore. Or I don't want to. I don't want to look back and be like, "That's who I am now." It may have been someone that I was, but that person was also in a very, very bad state of mind. But yeah, dishonesty for me, being honest is like one of the things that I'm. I just wear on my sleeve now, big time. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say Oh, you shouldn't be putting that out all. I don't care. It's not like I'm, you know what, I'm, I'm telling people that I cry. I'm telling people that, you know what, I've, I've almost committed or I've, I've had a plan to take my life. You know, these are things that just are a part of me and they shouldn't be demonized and they shouldn't be stigmatized and they should just be let known. Because I truly believe that all of the past trauma, well, I know I've literally inherited all of the trauma that my parents have had. It's like I've inherited it. But the problem is, is that they never talked about it. They shoved it down. And the things that my dad never said, um, his parents will never know. His, his, My dad's parents will die and one of them has already died. And they don't know fully about my dad. And the things that have happened to him in his life. I don't want to be like that. That's Because then that shit gets passed down. I am so sorry. First cuss word. I'm going to put that in there. (laughs) I'm getting into it though. This is real for me. Because it does. It gets passed down. Generational. Same thing with my mom. Mom never addressed it. Sorry mom. But I'm telling the truth. If you listen to this, which I know you don't, hey, it is what it is. You didn't address it. It, It's so funny that now we look back and we all talk about why why I've gone through the exact same problems and trials and tribulations that my parents have gone through except for they never talked about it. And I'm not going to talk about all my things because uh, it's my stuff uh, that I don't want to talk about right now. Because it's also my parents' stuff. But it's important to not shove that stuff down anymore. To to make it open. To open the airs and to let yourself be free of it. Because once you do, you can't, you're not limited by it anymore. You release it. You relinquish it. You relinquish the resentment, you relinquish the the shame, you relinquish it all. When you just say, you know what, this is who I was, this is what I dealt with. If you don't like me, you can leave. All right? But I'm, I'm all about honesty right now. And I'm all about being just deliberate with my honesty too. Because there are people that are honest, but they're brutally honest and it sucks. And I hate that kind of stuff. You can be charismatic and honest and comfortable and be able to create a comfortable space for people with being honest as well. But I really mean that. Epigenet- epigenetics is epi meaning upon genetics, gens, gentes coming from clan, tribe, class, generation, genealogy, all that good stuff. But it gets passed on if you don't address it. All right. And whether that be that it gets passed on to your kids or it gets passed on, um, I don't know, to your animals or to something else. I don't know. Maybe it stops with you. You don't have kids. You don't have anything. And it just stops because a lot of people are not having kids anymore nowadays. But, Address the things that you are shameful are for now because they're really the things that molded you and made you who you are today. It's okay. It's all good. But when you feel that twinge of not saying something, just say it because that that moment of you holding back is your ego trying to protect yourself. And... Uh, it's okay. It's okay that you're wrong and it's okay to be wrong and continually to be wrong. It's okay. righty. Best be best, uh, asks for our fifth question here. What advice would you give to your younger self? Um, I would say to be kind. Um, to not be such perfectionist, to not put your weight in grades. This is what I tell my students is like, you know, the things that I do now is trying to be it's like me making a full circle and trying to make amends as to how I was as a kid and how I wish my tr- teachers had treated me because I was this perfection oriented kid. I put all my weight in grades. I put all my weight in these things that I thought would help me be seen, but they really never helped me be seen. And I was always trying to strive and grasp to be seen. Like that you know, was one thing, like whether that be through golf or through grades or through doing really good yard work and being proud of that and showing my dad and my dad just being like, no, this is, you, you got to do it better. You know, it was, it was one of these things where I was always trying to strive to be, perfect and that perfection was wrecking me. And I know students, I have students just like this where I resonate with them and I have these conversations where it's like it's you're it's okay. It's a grade. It's um you know what you know you know how I am. I'm never going to punish you with grades. And that's it. it's just if you show up, you you give me your you do due diligence, the grade will happen. The learning is what I care about. And that's what I didn't care about before as a kid because I just did my homework to get it done. Did all that stuff. I wouldn't be such a perfectionist. I wouldn't take so much weight in what others said, even though I was bullied relentlessly. Growing up just hard, man. I mean, you can give so much advice to your younger self. Do the hard things early. I don't know how much my younger self would embrace that. I don't know how my, many other people would, but maybe, I don't know. For number six, our sixth question from Sunkiss Bree, what do you believe is the most important thing to prioritize in your life? Your mental health, your relationships, uh, and your physical health. And your, the improvement of uh, knowing more, expanding your mind, expanding your understanding, being understanding. I think that those are, yeah, get outside, prioritize sun, water, hydrate or dihydrate. I don't know. I do like that question though. Thank you again, Kiss Bree. Oh, I like this uh, name. All about Emia. For our seventh question, what has been your biggest mistake and what did you learn from it? Um, what has been my biggest mistake? God, I don't know. I have a lot of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, but the next one is about how do I handle failure? Biggest mistake for me is... Um, Hmm. I don't know about that one I would say the biggest mistake For me started when I got sick When I was in um, Tacoma, Washington This was um, uh, It was my second No, it was my first semester of junior year At University of Puget Sound And I Got really sick. Um, and it was one of these things where I was just doing so much at the time. I was very proud of myself. I was a, the subject tutor for Latin at the school, first first subject tutor for Latin. I remember always telling people that. I was like, ha ha. Um, I was also the manager at a coffee shop named Oppenheimer. And I'd also worked at another one called Diversions. Um, I was just doing so much and I was proud of myself. The people around me were proud. You know, I thrived off that. And, uh, I got sick, but it was this weird thing where I couldn't really understand it. I was trying to understand it. I was looking up, I remember being in the cubicle in live in the library and I was like trying to self-diagnose myself and just becoming hypochondriacal more and more and more as I read. Um, but I kept on going. Um, and I remember between when I saw my, my family in November and then when I was, I had come back in, uh for christmas like i think between like the months of like october all the way to december i lost a total of like 30 to 35 pounds um food was just not agreeing with me um but it was one of those things where i didn't really have time to think about it so i didn't think about it so the only so yeah i i, I and i wasn't metabolizing them i was really I, I had a lot of joint-related issues. I was getting a lot of migraines. It was just like really like I was not thriving at all. And I remember going home. And I, this before this moment, I had always had such a linear perception in my life. I was to go to school four years after that and go to, you know, to school after that, you know, get my master's or the eventual PhD or I was just going to, going to, go into the workforce or whatever, you know, I had all these ideas, everything. And then all of a sudden here I am sitting down for dinner and my parents are like, we really want you to consider staying home for your second semester, junior year and taking a medical leave of absence. And I was like, heck no, heck no. So I remember that though, I was so resistant to that. So resistant to the point where I ended up going back to school. And I remember I woke up that morning in the first day of classes, I woke up, and I woke up in such a fog, and I was like, I've made a really grave mistake. And from that, I remember I called my mom, and the motions were set. Um, but during that time, I was done with class, I was not going to school anymore or anything like that. But I had to wait about two weeks for my dad to take a plane trip on up to Tacoma where I would pick him up and he and I would road trip back down in my car back to Santa Fe. So during that time, um, I did not really leave my apartment at all. I was so, I felt so defeated. I felt like I had allowed this intangible thing to uproot my life and I was so ashamed of myself and I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't, I, I, I remember I left and I, I didn't even say goodbye to the people that I loved other than the people, my housemates, I lived in a house of eight people. Great time. Love those people, Caitlin, Matthew, Raina, Claire, and I think they're now clay. Um. Henry You know it it uh, that's not all of them but that's all I'm going to mention. And Matthew, Matthew was my roommate. But those were the only people and then I was gone and um then I really understood what depression was because before that I remember I remember a quote I said to my brother when he had been diagnosed with depression and he was taking SSRIs, and and I remember just being so rude, and I said, you know, you you have no like I have more. Uh, this is what I said. I said I have more of a reason to to be depressed than you do. How stupid is that to say? How stupid and ar- arrogant and ignorant and. I'm sorry, Jacob, it's very not okay of me because that's when I truly understood how physical uh, physical illness led to mental illness and then it becomes the cyclical thing. That's why what I love about holistic medicine is that it treats the body as a whole and that's what it is. You know, when you're not feeling well, your body's not feeling well. If your body's not feeling well, you're not mentally feeling well and it, so on and so forth. But I remember I came back home and I just kind of slipped further and further into depression because nobody could figure out what was going on with me. Everybody was telling me psychosomatic. You know, people were telling me maybe it was Lyme disease, maybe it was this or that, but then we couldn't diagnose you because there are no active cases of that in New Mexico and blah, 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 and this and that. And you're lying. These symptoms don't add up. Um, take an antispasmodic. Here are some SSRIs. Here are this and that, blah, 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 this and that, blah, blah, blah and it was just um, being told that what you're feeling is not real is probably the most disempowering thing you could ever do to a patient. And that doctor that said that to me, he actually said straight up, he was like, yeah, you're you, these don't add up. Um, these make me feel like you're lying and that this is fabricated. He even said that to me. I was like, you mother. I'm like, dude, I'm paying to come see you to what? I'm like, you too bad. He has been ran out of practice. Deuces, Dr. Hertz, a.k.a. your name sucks because you hurt my feelings a lot. Dr. Hertz hurts my feelings. Anyways, it was hard and to continually be be thrown One thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing. And then finally, you know, that's, you know, finally we ended up getting a kind of a loose diagnosis, but then doing just like a full gamut of antibiotics that ended up getting me um, much better, much better. Um, Not fully, but it got me to the point where I ended up, a, a lot of the reason why I took my Ireland trip was to prove to myself that I was healthy again that I could do these things again and I did it and I went to Ireland and I came back and and then after that I went to school in Utah and so on and so forth and then in Utah that's where I met my ex-girlfriend that I had mentioned at the beginning with my first question and so on and so forth so trying to tie things in for you guys but yeah Um. My biggest mistake out of that was not saying goodbye to the people that I loved because I felt so ashamed of myself for taking a medical leave of absence from school. And now I'm different. I don't have that linear perception. I kind of go with the flow and um, I'm not rigid like I was. Next question. How do you handle failure? This is from Guy. Um, I embrace it. I tell my students, that's my classroom. I'm like, I want you guys to embrace failure. And they're like, what are you talking? Yeah. They're like, excuse me? I'm like, yeah. Like, you're in a safe space. If you get something wrong, you get it wrong, it's all good. Nobody's going to die. I'm not going to take the blood of your firstborn child. Everything's okay. You know what? It's not like the nuclear bomb's going to be, you know, detonated because you got this one question wrong. Answer it. Yeah, the, All I ask is that you're, you show gumption, that you show bravery, that you try and that if you try and you get it wrong, then that's okay because if you just look at what's wrong, you make it right, you look at what's wrong, you look at what's right, you are able to distinguish both and then you move forward and that's it. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. So failure for me is something that I embrace because I've failed a lot in this life. And I've learned a lot, a great lot from all those failures. Ninth question here from Yep Yep 546 what ma- motivates you to keep going? Um, motivation is BS, I think. Um, I think motivation gets you started, but that's not what keeps you going. Nobody is motivated 24-7. 24/7, uh, 365 days a year. There you go, Liam. Nobody. It's like willpower. You can have willpower for a while, but willpower waxes and it wanes. So you can't put all of your baskets in that because it's the small steps, the confidence. The knowing that you can do it and moving forward with that and making those tiny, tiny steps and moving forward that creates that momentum that keeps you going. Motivation can start you, but it's not going to keep you going. Motivation is what gets people in the gym at the very beginning of the year, but it doesn't keep them going because we we all know that meme. You know what? The gym is real busy at the beginning of of January, but it kind of definitely tapers off by the time February, February rolls around, right? so and and that's also an issue is that those people are going out in usually in a state of motivation where they uh they don't like their bodies that they're mad that they gained all this weight over the holiday holidays and that they're gonna beat themselves up and this and that and you know just not productive things to um to be kind to yourself right if you're motivated by negative things it's not going to keep you going if you're motivated by achieving your health and longevity and mobility then i think that all those other things kind of start making its way into your life like that's when your physique starts to get better right i think that when you really truly focus on health everything else kind of comes into the puzzle kind of all fits together like a tetris piece thing game so, no, it's not motivation that keeps me going. Um because I am very unmotivated sometimes. Sometimes I get real stuck in a slump. Sometimes I'm tired and I'm exhausted and I just want to chill. But yeah. Think about it and remember that you know, I'm just I'm I'm not this kind of person anymore. I used to be about like that 75 hard and, and no days off, and I'll sleep when I'm dead. But really it's not about that, because then you just burn yourself out and then you end up having to take a, you know a few more steps back than you wanted to in order to get back to where you were at the beginning, or where you wanted to be. From Qu- Christopher Walkin, from Christopher Walkin, our last question: What do you think is the most important thing in life? life, everything about this life, to think about the fact that you yourself were picked to be on this world, to be immersed in it, to experience this suffering and beauty and happiness and more suffering and sadness and beauty and pleasure. Life is the most important thing because everything within your life, your friends, your family, your passions, your loves, those are, it's all up to what you think is most important. What I think is most important is the smell of coffee in the morning. Um hearing the birds chirp for the first time when spring rolls around and you just get that feeling that it's spring and you don't know why but it just feels like it the voice of a little child i think that that is one of the most i don't know precious things Because they're all like, it's hard to describe them. I'm not going to try and do a little kid voice, but some little kid voices are like the most adorable thing. Um, a really good smoothie, a really good well-made smoothie. I love smoothies. An amazing hike. The end of a long climb. On my bike um, the feeling of sun on your skin mixed with a gentle breeze that negates the heat small things but those are important dude a, a good a good eight-pointer poop that's important I mean for real. Yo, if you've had a poop and you go down and you try and wipe, I know, right? I, I just take everything so, it's so meaningful and then I got to throw a poop in there. Sorry, guys, but hey, it's all good. It's just a part of the human body, right? It's a part of our tube, right? From our mouth to our anus. Hey, if you go down there, you go to wipe, nothing there. That's eight points. That's how I got a lot of my kids. I started to gamify pooping when I was, uh... Uh, a lead for backpacking when I was going to school in Puget Sound because I led a lot of backpacking trips as well as orientation trips for uh, students. Um, And a lot of students are really timid, especially when they're coming into their freshman year about, uh, you know, using the bathroom in the wild. So uh, I made it into a point system and then we actually ended up making uh, a game out of it via other, between other um, groups that other people were leading. Um, and it was a fun game, but yeah, and now I, I refer to any uh, poop that has that needs no wipe, eight points. beautiful, absolutely 100 percent. That's an important thing. If it's post coffee, it's even more important than the most important thing, okay We need to let, we need to address this, all right? If you guys didn't know now you know I like me a good solid eight pointer poop. and if anybody doesn't, you're lying. And, uh, yeah, you are, but you know what? I'm just going to leave it there. We'll leave it at t- uh, silly. It's been a long episode and I thank you guys very much for sticking with me. Um, if you learned something new, if you just enjoyed this episode, if you learned something about me, if you maybe if this helped you understand a little bit more about yourself and how to navigate throughout this world, I don't know. I would love to hear from you. Liam Connerly at gmail.com. Latin in laymans at gmail.com. TikTok at Mr. Connerly. At Mr. Liam Connerly. And um, uh, I think it's just at Liam Connerly on Instagram. Spotify, Latin in laymans, a revolution. Also found on Apple Podcast, Audible, Amazon Music. Thank you guys again thank you. If you got to this point, I would just like to know, like email me. If you if you ended up getting through this entire episode, you're amazing and you deserve a gold medal and a congratulations. Um, thank you. As I always say, and as I always mean very deeply, I love you guys tempo says to scatter